Welcome back to HR Chronicles. HR Chronicles um, is a podcast in which I, Cynthia Morrison, um, HR professional, will tell you real life tales of um, <clears throat> of different types of um, claims, grievances um, that have um, come to my attention during my tenure at different companies. And I'm hoping that by you listening to this podcast, that it'll help you with your any type of discrimination or harassment um, investigations that you may have um, during your time with the company. Or if you're a small business owner, how you can prevent these types of um, claims. So today's topic is discrimination. So under the EEOC... There are multiple types of claims that you can file for discrimination. One is age, disability, equal pay, compensation, genetic information, harassment, national origin, pregnancy, race, color, religion, retaliation, sex, and sexual harassment. These are the different types of discriminations that you can file if you feel that you're being discriminated against or have been discriminated against during your while applying for or while you were employed by um, a company here in the United States. So this story is about a discrimination due to <clears throat> being fired, uh, retaliation uh, for an employee um, in California, this is the state in which I worked during this ten time, um, the uh, EEO uh, grievance had come to my attention a week after I had started with this particular employer. Um, the uh, regional EEOC investigator had contacted me because they wanted to come out and do in-person interviews with the managers who who supervised the claimant and they wanted to find out more information related to the to the claim that had been filed through their regional office so um me only being a weekend at this particular property i had to do my due diligence and pull the um claimant's file go through it create a timeline from beginning to end as to um, all the information, um, go through any emails that have, were associated with this with this claimant, any text messages that had been um, had been gone back between the supervisors and the managers related to this claimant to find out why um, uh, the claim, if it had any, you know, why he felt that he was fired due to his um, HIV um, status. So any good um, investigation, I believe, starts with you creating a timeline of events, just like if you were, I don't know, a CII, CSI, um, you know, it's all about kind of delving into, you know, who, what and where and when. Those are the questions you want to ask yourself. Who, who was involved, what, what was the circumstance that created the him being terminated when, when did it happen, and why, what was the outcome, and why was he terminated, um, 
So these are the questions that you want to ask yourself when you go in to do an investigation. So this is the outline that I do for myself every time that I do go in and do an investigation. Those are the things that I ask myself. And then I go in and I formulate um, kind of a questionnaire. Um, if I'm going to do not this particular investigation, but if I'm going in to do uh, an investigation that is differently related, I will do a questionnaire so that I can f- ask different questions related to that type of the type of discrimination or harassment that um, your employee may be claiming. So back to the discrimi- discrimination suit that was filed via the EEOC regional office in San Francisco. So delving into this case, um, created my timeline, pulled all the information that I could from all the supporting documentation from the EPI, which the EPI is the employer um, employer preventive insurance. Um, most properties have that, some don't, um, but they had an attorney through the EPI that assisted on this case, so I had to reach out to them. I had to um, acquire all the notes and all the instructions that had come from uh, from the attorney who oversaw the case. It had been then turned over to another attorney's office. Uh, also had to contact the attorney that worked with the property at that time and what instructions or what advice they had given the managers as it related to um, this employee's um, employment and why it had come to an end with this particular company. So gathering all that information together, <clears throat> because we had a uh, adjudication coming up in November, I started with this property in the later of August. So I did have some time to gather all the notes together and to go in and re-interview all the managers and create a synopsis of what, you know, my due diligence, what I felt, what, you know, was it a true grievance? You know, did we go above and beyond when it come to making um, accommodations for this employee? You know, what did we do as an employer? Was it truly something that my managers mishandled? So was there truly a, you know, was he truly fired without any cause? So gathering all this information together, um, and because there were so many hands in the pots, um, it was very hard to disseminate as to what went wrong and when it went wrong. Um, But things did go wrong because, um, and from me gathering all the information, the attorney that was the employer's um legal assistance had given strict instructions to the GM and to the AGM of this particular property and they did not follow it to the letter. So this is what happened. The employee was um, disruptive, had been written up for being disruptive, but not in a um, continuous manner. It was kind of a hit or miss kind of situation. And then um, the employee was somewhat of a disruptive employee, was always trying to cause um, problems, um, you know, was not, you know, was was a disruptor. I'll just put it that. So he was a disruptor, um, which caused a lot of issues with other employees and with, um, it was a a uh, health club so they had members who would come in every day and he was 
saying that, you know, managers were being mean to him. And so there was a, there was a problem with him belaboring his, his situation and him being supervised and, um, and him relaying that to the members at the club and then it getting back to the GM. So there was a lot of missteps that happened because you didn't have any, the GM never had any formal training and how to deal with, um, difficult employees. And so there was a lot of missteps in this, um, that happened. So what you want to do is that anytime you have a disciplinary action, you need to be, you need to go to your handbook and you need to figure out exactly what policy or procedure that this person did not follow. And you need to make sure, here's the key, you need to make sure that the employee, when onboarding, sign your employee handbook stating that they understand that they must follow all the policies and procedures outlined in the employee handbook. That's number one. If you don't have the signed acknowledgement form, then you're not going to win your case. Two, secondly, you need to make sure that if you do update your employee handbook, every time it's updated, that you get an acknowledgement form of the updates from your employees. So that's two. So that's where a lot of the kind of gray area happened in this particular case is that there were some eight updates done with the employee handbook, the um, employee acknowledgement form for the updates was not sent out. And so it was not in his file. And so he's claiming that he was never told that these policies in which he was fired under existed, so forth and so on. You see where I'm going with this. So there's definitely a lot of things that need to be handled by your HR person to make sure that you are covered and that you there is no liability and that your due diligence has been done. So these are a lot of the areas. One, handbook, most important. Onboarding, have a, an onboarding um, <clears throat> orientation because you want to make sure that your staff understands the expectations and the policies and procedures in which they need to follow um, as part of their employment. So, so going back to the to the person, so he had been disciplined. He had been put on suspension. So he had been put on suspension, and then he had been brought back to work. When he was on, when he was brought back to work, he had gone out to this. There was a pool area, and when he was out by the pool area, he had fainted, and so due to his his fainting out by the pool area, um, EMTs were called to the scene, and he was. Um, during the time during when the EMTs were looking them over, I guess the claimant claims that he heard one of the managers say, oh, I heard that he's, you know, that he has HIV. Now, this was never um, <clears throat> verified, nor there was never anybody who backs up his claim that this is what was said, that he heard, you know, that the manager said that he was HIV positive due to his passing out. So he was taken to the hospital and the hospital then once he was released, he got his release to come back to work. They brought him back to work, but they brought him back to work with less hours, which is okay. You can do that as long as you do not, um, you do not point him out as the only person who's being reduced in hours. You cannot, um, 
use him as a point of focus in order to reduce hours. If you're going to reduce hours, you have to reduce hours for the whole staff. So they reduced his hours, and then they had another alt, and then he had another incident of um, not following the policies and procedures. And so they decided to let him go. And, um, uh, no, that, uh, they let him go. And so that's when he filed the grievance stating that he was let go, um, uh, due to not to termination. Um, and the reason why they let him go is that they said they didn't need that they were overstaffed and that they needed to reduce their labor force. So here's where the company went wrong in the second place. So if you are going to let people go due to the fact that you you don't have the hours for people or you're trying to reduce your labor force, you have to then, if you do have more um, hours or if your business has picked up, you have to give those op- those people who were let go due to that have an opportunity to come back and be a part of the schedule. You can't now, because you let that person go, you cannot then go out and do an ad and hire people to replace the person in which you let go due to the fact that you're trying to reduce your labor force. So this is where the managers went wrong in the second place. So they did that. So, as you can see, this is not going well for the employer. So, for us, at this point, we're just going to stick to the facts that, one, all the different write-ups that he had had, um, all the different areas in which he was, you know, he was a a very difficult employee um, uh, to work with. Um, We were going to come in from that approach, although I know it wasn't a winning approach. I was just hoping to go in there and and walk out of there without having to um have to pay too much in in and in the mediation so we walked in there and presented our case and the investigator um and the claimant was there as well with his representative and the um, eeoc investigator stated that although you know we had some backup that supported the reasons why he had been written up and the reason why he had been uh, discharged. Um, She felt that there had been some missteps in the way he was discharged, and so she felt like there was retaliation on our part, on the manager's part. And let me just say this. She did not like my GM because the GM of this particular health club was there sitting with me, and the investigator... (laughs) did not like her and pretty much stated in no uncertain terms that she didn't like her attitude. She didn't like the way she dealt with her employees. And so I knew this was definitely not going to be a um, good outcome. So when we were were also working with our EPI, and so um, when the um, investigator asked, you know, or told the told us what they were asking for, and they were asking for, I believe, one hundred sixty thousand dollars for damages for the years that he went. Because due to due to this situation, he could never go back to work because um, <clears throat> he was so traumatized. So he was unable to work for the past, I think it was three years, due to the trauma trauma that he received from um, this particular from working at, at our health club. 
So $160,000 was put on the table. So I had to go to the EPI and ask them if we could, if they would support paying out that claim. And they did. And then I had to go to my owner because it was a private ownership. And I had to talk to my ownership and find out if he would also agree to that. Although it was pretty much the EPI would be paying out the claim at that particular point. So in doing all this, it came to the end where back and forth, back and forth, and um, we just decided we ended with $130,000 paid out to this claimant. So <clears throat> long story short is that my advice is that you must always, and I say this to all the people that I coach and that I guide and that I train and that um, you always, 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 I don't care if it's something very incidental. You must write copious notes, just like you're if you're in the FBI. You must write copious notes. If you have an, a, an interaction with a staff member, you must write that interaction down. Keep it in, you know, open up a little notes on your, on your desktop and keep, you know, copious notes. Print it out. Put it in the person's file. You just want to make sure that any interactions that you have and any types of disciplinary actions are not only written up, you know, uh, progressive discipline, but you also have a follow-up to that as well. You want to make sure that you, you know, anytime you have a conversation with somebody that you follow that up with an email saying that I just want to make sure that if you're having a discussion with somebody, you know, um, that this is what we discussed. This is the outline of what we discussed. If you feel that this is not true to what the discussion and how it took place, please write in a reply as to um, any things that were missed um, through my email to you. So you want to make sure you do take copious notes because that is, is what's going to save you when it comes to going into, into one of these um, <clears throat> adjudication or mediation with EEOC or with an attorney. This is what is called your due diligence. This is what's going to help you prove your case and how you, what type of actions you took in order to um, correct correct the actions um, of the employee who was not following um, the policies and pr uh, procedures because it is, as the EEOC investigator stated, it is upon the employer to take corrective action and in a timely manner with its employees. Now, that is another topic that I'll probably go over, and that is regarding timely discipline. You, you don't want to do it right there on the floor when the employee is working um, out in the public. You want to make sure you either take them aside or set up a, a time the following day, scheduled day of work, and have them come in, sit down and discuss with them what policies and procedures they did not follow so that you you do it in a timely manner. You cannot wait a week or two weeks to then address a transaction that took place a week or two previously. Um, that is not called timely corrective action. So these are some of the tips that you want to follow when you're trying to do 
um, disciplinary. So for discrimination, you want to make sure that you read and that you understand all the different types of discrimination suits or claims that can be filed via the EEOC. You want to understand also how you can prevent those. And you want to definitely have management meetings. You want to have um, counseling with your managers to make sure that they are following the policies and procedures and that you set up procedures when it comes to interviewing the things they can and cannot say. You want to make sure that they have policies and procedures when it comes to if somebody states that they have a disability, you know, how do they, how do they um, report that disability? What is, what's going to take place because they have a disability? Um, so these are the things that you want to definitely do as an HR director or as an HR manager um, in order for you to protect your company for any types of liability. Um, so these are just some things that, um, I wanted to relate to you in my HR Chronicles. So if you have any comments or if you have anything that's similar to this type of discrimination suit, I would love to hear from you. Again, this is a, uh, you know, a forum in which I'd love to hear feedback. I would love to hear if you had or dealt with a claimant or an employee who may have done the same thing, who was a disciplinary, had disciplinary issues, but wanted, you know, who, who was trying to use a disability in order to get out of their disciplinary issues. That's a different topic, which I'll probably do another segment on that because um, I've dealt with those issues too, where people try to use disabilities um, to get out of um, a, a disciplinary action. Um, so we'll go over that in, a, in a, I would say, 